We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Apostolic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. 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 When's the last time you were in a blockbuster? Anyone? Personally, I kind of preferred Jumbo Video, you know, the one on Dundonald, because they had fresh popcorn. You'd walk in, you'd get a little free snack while you were trying to search for the right movie. But, you know, there was a time when virtually every town had a store in it to go and rent movies. In some big cities, even in every neighborhood, you could find one. When's the last time you logged into Netflix? Or perhaps you don't have to because it's just automatically logged in. Or you could insert Amazon Prime Video or Disney Plus, you name it. Netflix changed the game. And I know for nostalgia's sake, you might miss going to pick up a physical VHS or DVD. But just to date yourself, if you ever owned a machine that sole purpose was to rewind a VHS tape. You know exactly what I mean. But now everything is available at the click of a button, and all you need is a decent internet or cellular connection uh, to, to stream, whether it's download TV shows or movies, live sports, video games, you name it. You no longer have to go to the store for content. The content is wherever you are. And we're in this series right now called We Believe, and we just heard the Apostles' Creed because this is what it's all about. We're going through different statements of doctrine that Christians worldwide believe, and a lot of it pertains around the person of Jesus, as does today. Uh, today's statement fits appropriately after Easter, the resurrection, last Sunday when Pastor John brought the message based on our belief in Jesus that on the third day, he rose again. And this week's message is we believe that Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And here's a little bite size of membership class. I know Ben mentioned it earlier. It's coming up Saturday the 17th, this coming Saturday at 10 a.m. There's some content online. You can sign up, come here in person, and even have some Q&A with us. But this is a statement of our Wesleyan belief in Jesus, that Christ rose bodily from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and there intercedes for us at the Father's right hand until he returns to judge all humanity at the last day. Now, I'll allow Dr. Lennox the pleasure of preaching next week on the last part of that phrase, that he will return to judge the living and the dead. We first read about the ascension at the end of Mark's gospel. We're going to read a few portions of scripture, first in Mark's account and then in Luke's. In Mark, it says that when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
And then at the end of Luke's gospel, it says, Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. And you know, Jesus predicted this earlier in Luke. It says, But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. Acts, which is Luke's second book, is the next place that we hear about the ascension. And we're going to take a little bit of time in chapter 1, the first 11 verses, which will be on the screen. They'll be right in front of you. You can read in your Bible or on your device and follow along with me. It says, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere in Jer Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were standing, watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now let's take a closer look at this passage about the ascension of Jesus. It says in verse 1, In my first book I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach. His first book being Luke, which we read just a moment ago. And then the person, this is the initial recipient of his writing. And thankfully, we also get to receive this. Luke was a physician and very detailed. And so he went uh, to many people to take this account and, and give it to us so that we could continue to believe, similar to the other gospel accounts. And it's about everything Jesus began to do and teach, implying that he wasn't done at the end of the gospel account, but he had more to share with these apostles. And verse 2, it says, until the day he was taken up into heaven, which is our context for today, the ascension of Jesus, which we believe he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's giving them, these, these apostles, further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So the Gospel of Luke ends with kind of a commissioning and the ascension, whereas Acts begins with a commissioning and then the ascension of Jesus. And in verse 3 it says, during the 40 days that he suffered and died. Well, Luke is specific here about Jesus appearing alive for 40 days, yet the Holy Spirit doesn't arrive until the Feast of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover when Jesus died. And Jesus did suffer and die. But 
that humiliating event was not the end of his story. No, we celebrated on Easter Sunday that Jesus conquered death and he would soon, and he is now, exalted to the highest honor. And have you ever noticed through the gospel accounts that often the skeptics of Jesus, they went from only God can do that, as in heal or forgive or raise a person from the dead, to only God can't do that, as in die specifically on the cross. But as we just celebrated last week, our God humbly died, our God boldly rose, and now he is exalted to the highest place. And we continue in verse 3 that he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked about the kingdom of God. Think back to our Easter message where Pastor John took us through 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul sharing all the different ways that Jesus appeared bodily after he died and after he rose. It says that the resurrected Jesus was a, a he was actually recorded appearing in Judea and in Galilee, in town and the countryside, indoors and outdoors, in the morning and in the evening, close and distant, on a hill and by a lake, to groups of men and groups of women, to individuals and to groups up to even 500, sitting, standing, walking and eating, which brings us to verse four, where it says that once when he was eating with them, and this reminds me of probably 25 years ago or more, I was at a Bible study with my grandmother, and I was probably the the youngest person there by at least 50 years, but it was awesome. And we were going through the Gospel of Luke, but instead of starting at the beginning, which might make sense to some, we actually started with the end. And I, I see now the point in that. And the person leading us through was talking about, well, see, Jesus died, we all know that. But when he rose, he appeared to his disciples, and not just distant, but up close. And not just up close, but even eating. And Luke, in his account, being a doctor, is trying to say, like, no, 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 I know bodies. I've dealt with them. This is not a ghost. This is someone who ate broiled fish, and he ate as they watched. And so these apostles actually testified to the truth that Jesus ate, which is just one of the evidences uh, that he is actually risen. And he commanded them because he has authority. Jesus shares this in what we consider the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, Uh, where he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, and we'll get to the therefore in a little bit. He continues to say, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, because God keeps his promises, so why not continue trusting? As I told you before, and he did tell them before in John's account, we're going to read two different verses, one from John 14 and then one from 16. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And then later in chapter 16, he says, you grieve because of what I've told you, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. I don't know if you caught that, but Jesus said, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And here's the big point, that the absence of Jesus makes the presence of the Holy Spirit possible. And he continues in Acts 1 verse 5 that John baptized with water. John the Baptist, maybe you remember a sermon just a few weeks back where we talked about his testimony of Jesus coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And it's in every gospel account you can see for yourself. 
Not only that, but he says in just a few days, remember, 50 days from Passover when Jesus died, the feast or the festival, if you will, of Pentecost would happen, that you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you can read this in Joel's prophecy in chapter 2 of his account, or later in chapter 2 of Acts, in Peter's sermon, he, he references that same thing. And again, this is part of John the Baptist's testimony. He was a witness to the Trinity. Think of it. When he baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, confirming that he was the Messiah and is. And he heard the Father declare to Jesus, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. So John is a witness, and he testifies to the Trinity. Verse 6, so when the apostles were with Jesus, who are the apostles? Well, they're eyewitnesses chosen by Jesus himself. And since this is a series all about the Apostles' Creed, let's be reminded of what an apostle means. An apostle is a witness of Jesus resurrected from the dead. They are called to be messengers and many to be even martyrs. That is, to die for their faith and their declaration that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Stephen, just before he was stoned to death, saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand later in Max in Acts chapter 7. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Why would they ask this? Well, it's because the Messiah will one day restore the kingdom. You know, the kingdom of God, the, the now but the not yet. It's that tension that we face. They wanted it to happen sooner than later. Is that the same tension that we face even today? And maybe you can be reminded of the account of James and John trying to ask, you know, can I sit on your right and, and on your left? Uh, that didn't really work out. But Jesus will restore the kingdom. His restoration of the kingdom actually begins in our hearts as we are just singing and praying that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God actually begins and the restoration begins in our heart. In verse 7, he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. Those dates, they're not for us to know. It's not our concern for the moment. But in verse 8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me. And what he's talking here is about Jesus himself, not just his teaching, there's an author that explains not to re-proclaim the teaching of Jesus during that time, but to proclaim Jesus himself in his resurrection. Everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission at the end of Matthew's gospel account reads this way. Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And verse 9 says that after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So the apostles were witnesses not only of the resurrection, but of the ascension of Jesus. And so we believe that he did ascend into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. 
in verse 10, it explains that as they strain to see him rising into heaven, emphasis on the straining as they're staring up into the sky, that these two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Now, does Luke imply angels? Maybe the same that were at the tomb, maybe even from the birth announcement. We're not exactly sure, but this is what they say in verse 11. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. One of my former Bible school classmates, Aaron, and his brother, Tim, write that the ascension calls us to look up at Jesus and to stop looking up because it is the great transition from the mission of Jesus to the mission of the church. But someday, remember, those dates and times are not for us to know. He will return from heaven the same way you saw him go. It's saying that he will come again. We're currently in between two advents. We know that Christ is the beginning and the end of existence. But Christ is also, as noted before, the beginning and the end of the era of the church. So you need to come back next week to hear Dr. Lennox go into more detail about Christ's return. But today, we'll continue to look at that great transition from the the mission of Jesus to the mission of the church, his church. So we ask the question, if it isn't already obvious, why is the ascension important? Well, just last week on Good Friday, we read that while Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And then he breathed his last That was his last breath before resurrection. His mission was complete to defeat sin and death, yet his ascension is where his initial earthly ministry actually ends. And then the ministry of Jesus is left in the hands of the apostles awaiting the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit would come upon them, the era of the church, which we're now in, actually begins. So we're between two advents, and this moment here is that transition from that mission of Jesus into the mission of the church before Christ comes again. And the tension that we still face today is, why does the kingdom of God have to begin later? The same question they wanted to know about that restoration. Why not happen now? Because the world needs the message of Jesus, and that message We find it at the end of Luke's gospel. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. So the world needs to know the good news of Jesus, that he is exalted. He ascended and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And this is the mission and the message that the apostles and first believers were commissioned with. And that we continue to share even now in this exact moment, almost 2,000 years later. The ascension of Jesus marks the commissioning of his disciples, and the arrival of the Holy Spirit marks the birth of the church. What if Ascension Day was also thought of as Commissioning Day, as in the Great Commission? It was given, and then Jesus ascended. How empowering is that? Now, as we read, the true empowering for the apostles and other believers was roughly a week later when they received the Holy Spirit, but now we don't have to wait. There's not a delay like that. By sending the Holy Spirit, Jesus changed the game by trusting his disciples with his message and his ministry. The day of Pentecost marks the launch of the church, a reminder that we're not sent out alone. God is present, not only with us, but in us. We become a temple for the Holy Spirit. And Pastor John will soon explain more about this and the day of Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
But just remember this, that the absence of Jesus makes the presence of the Holy Spirit possible. So God's presence is wherever you are, even to the ends of the earth. You know, the apostle Peter, he preached a message on the day of Pentecost. It's the next chapter in Acts, and it applies directly to our message today. We're going to read a short part of that, the end of it from Acts chapter 2, verses 32 through 36. Peter declares that God raised Jesus from the dead, and we're all witnesses to this, as in everyone that he's preaching to was a witness. And now he is exalted to the place of honor, highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. We read later in Peter's words that they, they pierced the hearts of those listening. And the listeners, they had a question, and Peter had a response, and he also had a result if they would choose to respond that day. What was the question? Well, the question you can find is that, what, what should we do? What do we do with this content? What do we do with this message? His response is, well, repent of your sins and turn to God. And I just want to clarify that that's one breath. That's not two separate things. It's a changing of the mind and a turning to God. And to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Because remember the message Jesus left with his apostles at the end of Luke is, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. So what's the result that he was talking about? Well, then you will receive the Holy Spirit in a moment. So when we're united with Christ, we have access to the Father. And the Holy Spirit is present inside us. When we repent of our sins and turn back to God, when we find forgiveness through Jesus, when we receive the Father's gift to us, the Holy Spirit. An author once wrote that the Holy Spirit was poured out on earth to prove what had taken place in heaven, the exaltation of Jesus of Nazareth to the right hand of God. So the story of the gospel is that God proved he is for us by coming down to be with us. And the story of Acts is actually about how God is in us. The Father proved he is for us by sending his Son to be with us. And Jesus gave his life for us. God raised him from the dead, and he has ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father so the Holy Spirit could be in us. We're going to read two portions of Scripture that the Apostle Paul go into a little bit more detail with how this is relevant to us in this moment. The first is from Ephesians chapter 2. He says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And notice, the Apostle Paul is not speaking in a future tense here. This is true for us now. This is relevant immediately. Jesus rose from the dead and one day he will raise us. 
He is seated in heaven so we could be united with him now. Timothy Keller says, he puts it this way, that heavenly life has been put into us and we begin to experience foretastes of our final future state, a freedom to change and be like Christ. Later, the apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3 that since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So we are spiritually united to Christ through his death, resurrection, and ascension. If I could summarize the gospel another way, it's that the Father had a plan to reunite us to himself. So Jesus descended, becoming flesh and blood, living among us. But we know he ascended to the cross, and he descended into death. But he rose again and ascended once more to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And because Jesus ascended, he sent us the Holy Spirit, who descended not just on us, but in us. And we have a mission to be sent out with the message of Christ. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And someday, Christ will descend again. And when the earthly mission is complete, even if we descend to the ground first, we will rise. And we will ascend, united with God forever. Because we believe Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the apostles, their, their testimony of this, their witness to this. Thank you for passing this down to us so that this message would be relevant to us even today. We thank you so much for what we had just celebrated last week and we continue to celebrate because that truth is relevant immediately for us. God, we thank you that you've made this possible, that there could be forgiveness of sins for all who repent. It's only because, Jesus, of your sacrifice and that right now as you're seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, you would intercede on our behalf. So Father, I think of anyone listening at this moment, anyone who has not yet ever confessed their sins directly to you, that they would feel your love, your presence, your grace, that they would do that in this moment. God, that you would reveal yourself to them, you would forgive them and impart on them your Holy Spirit. And for anyone who might be a believer and is struggling with sin, that they would know that if that's the case, that you are interceding, you're our advocate to the Father. The work is done. We need to confess, though, but we need to receive the grace that you, that you give to us. And Father, we thank you for this, this mission and this message that you've given for us to proclaim, whether it's in our home, to our neighbors, or even to the ends of the earth. And God, that you would be with us for that whole journey empowering us. And so we take this, we, we pray that God, you would pierce our hearts similar to how, as Peter was preaching, that the Holy Spirit was piercing the hearts, not just a change of heart, but, but a change of action, a different trajectory. And so as we reflect on these things and, and go into a time of worship, God, uh, let this be on our mind, we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.